Well, this morning, I'd like you to turn in your Old Testaments, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, and just keep your Bibles open to this passage, and we'll take a look at it. But I want to start out by asking a question, and it's about one of the heroes in my life right now. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Nick Vujicic, or Vujicic? Anyone ever hear of Nick Vujicic? An amazing guy. He, he was born with what anyone would consider profound limitations on his life. He's, um, he's from Australia, but that's not a limitation. <laughs> his limitation was, and there's a picture of him right there, he was born without arms or legs whatsoever. You know, if anyone has ever had a justifiable reason to, to define himself by their limitations, Nick Fujicic is such a person. And if anyone has ever had a justifiable reason to live their life totally dependent on others, Nick is also a very, uh, has a reason for that. But you see, he refused to be defined. Instead, he chose to define himself in a different way. At the age of 17, just think of this. At the age of 17, he started his own nonprofit corporation. And today he travels around the world speaking about how to overcome limitations in life. He's written several bestsellers, and he's also married. He's the father of two children. He doesn't have legs, but he does have a foot that's attached to his torso. And this enables him to do some amazing things. He can operate a wheelchair. He can use a computer. He can swim. He dives. He makes coffee, among other things. Amazing. And you know, every time I'm tempted to sit down on my pity pot and make excuses for myself or tell myself what I don't have is limiting from me from doing what I want to do, I remember Nick Fujicic. Because he shows us that it's possible to live a life beyond our limitations. Now, the truth is, every one of you, I don't care what your age, whether you're a teenager or you're 90 today, everyone here today also has a reason or two to say, I have limitations that are holding me back from being what I want to be. There is something I'm not that prevents me from being what I want to be or doing what I want to do with my life. You know, we can point in several directions. I don't have the financial resources I need. I don't have the education that I need. I don't have the outside support that I need. And on and on the list goes. Or we can look more inwardly. I'm not smart enough. I'm not young enough. Oh, I'm not old enough. I'm, I'm not talented enough. And once again, we can build those excuses. And, you know, sometimes we become more focused on our limitations than our potential. That's because limitations are so intimidating to deal with. They, they just put out a huge shadow over us. And when you're facing limitations of a situation that you're in or the limitations of who you are, sometimes it's all but impossible to see beyond that limitation. However, the God that we serve invites us to live a life beyond our limitations. You know, you often hear preachers and speakers and teachers use the phrase, life without limits. It's a common phrase, and in fact, life without limits is the title of one of Nick's books. The idea of life without limits just kind of captures our imagination, 
But today I want to tweak that phrase just a bit so that we can look at the obstacles that we face from a a different angle. Today I want you to see that if you want to live a life without limits, first of all, you have to learn to live beyond your limitations. You see, the limitations in our lives are very real, friends. They don't just automatically go away next week or next year or whenever. They'll always be there. And this isn't about pretending that things don't exist. They do. But I want you to see today that you don't have to be limited by your limitations, whatever they may be. You can learn to live beyond anything in your life. And so this morning, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 30 and look at just five simple verses there in which the prophet Agur spoke of the wisdom of four tiny creatures. He talks about the ant, the locust, the hyrax, and the lizard. And he said these four creatures are exceedingly small, but they're also exceedingly wise. His reason for saying that they're wise is because each of these little creatures, in spite of their inherent limitations, is able to not only get by in life, but to thrive in life. Let's look at these verses. Look at verses 24 through 28. Four things on earth are small, and yet they're extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, And yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, and yet they advance together in ranks. And a lizard can be caught with a hand, yet it's found in king's palaces. Do you see how he structures each of these verses? In each case, he he states the limitation of the creature. And then he says, in effect, in spite of this limitation, this is what this little creature is still able to do. It's not that the limitation doesn't exist. It's that the creature has learned to live above and beyond that limitation. And so God wants you and me, whoever we are, whatever our background, whether we're old or whether we're young, he wants us to be able to do the same thing in our lives. You see, we all have limitations in one shape or form or of another. But we don't have to be defined by the limitations in our lives. We can, in fact, learn to live beyond them. Every one of us can be successful and live a life of fulfillment and victory in spite of whatever limitation you may have. So today I want us to just very simply look at three steps that every one of us can take to live beyond the limitations in our lives. And first of all, acknowledge that your limitation exists. Just acknowledge that you have some limitation in your life, but do it. With an asterisk. Let, let me just ask you a personal question. How many of you here today would say, honestly, I have one area in my life that I'm struggling, struggling with? How many? And if you didn't raise your hand, how many of you know that that person sitting next to you has one? <laughs> you see, we all do. You know, often an author will make a statement in a text, and then he'll mark it with an asterisk. And the purpose of the asterisk is to give the author a chance to kind of explain what he said, to, to just go into it in more detail. So in your life, that, that uh, thing that's causing trouble for you, that limitation is there. Admit it, but then put an asterisk by it, a footnote. And that footnote says this, and I want you to see it. It'll be up on the screen. These limitations aren't the complete definition of who I am. 
And I don't have to let them hold me back. I want you to read that with me. Let's read it together. These limitations aren't the complete definition of who I am. And they will not hold me back. You see, we all have limitations of one sort or another. And it serves you well to know what your limitations are. Because you'll never overcome an obstacle in your life if you don't know what that obstacle is. In Nick Fujichik's case, it's obvious. You can just look at him and know that he's got some amazing obstacles in his life. In your case, maybe the limitations are, are much more subtle. Not nearly so obvious. But you need to know what they are. That's why the author of Think Tank founder Tom Hayes said, Nothing limits you like not knowing your limitations. Nothing limits you like not knowing what's limiting you. You've got to know your limitations so that you can learn to work around them, go over them, through them, under, around them, whatever, get by them. The ant, for example, knows that it's small. So it doesn't try to say, I'm an elephant at all. The hyrax knows that it isn't strong. And so when a leopard comes looking for brunch and sees it, he has a plan in place and he runs to the rocks and he's safe. You have to know your limitations before you can live beyond them. Some people, sad to say, go through life without ever knowing of what is holding them back. And then there are others who can't think anything of anything beyond what's holding them back. Their lives are, are full of um, excuses because their limitations define them. It's like they say, basically, you know, I am what I don't have. I am what I can't do. That's the real me. I love what John Wooden, the legendary coach from UCLA, once said. Don't let what you can't do prevent you from doing what you can do. Don't let what you can't do stop you, prevent you from doing what you can do. Now, I am not a great Denver Bronco fan. But I am a fan of the way they won this last Super Bowl. It was amazing. They accomplished this with a beaten and battered Peyton Manning, who simply no longer could throw the ball like he did years before. And so what did they do? Well, Peyton and his coaching staff sat down, and they acknowledged the situation, and then they designed an offense to work around his limitations. The fact of the matter is, every one of us sitting here today has some problems, and we need to acknowledge them, accept them, and then put an asterisk next to each one. Yes, limitation, you exist. But you're not going to define me. And you're not going to hold me back from being who I can be. In fact, I'm going to create a way to work around you that keeps you in your place and lets me move forward. So the first step of living beyond your limitations is simply to accept your limitations. The second step is on the other side of the coin. Simply identify your strengths. Identify your strengths. Now... This is not always easy to do. A lot of things keep us from doing that. Just as there are those who, as I mentioned earlier, are blind to their weaknesses, there are a lot of people who are absolutely clueless as to what strengths they have in life. They can tell you everything that's wrong with them or everything wrong with their circumstances, but they can't tell you anything good about themselves, what's right. As an aside... One thing you can do for your friends and others, your family and so forth, 
is to become something of a talent scout for them. Point out the things that they do well. Did you hear that? Point out the things that they do well. And without getting too far off the subject, I'll say right now that if you have children or your spouse, your employee, your friends, your buddies at school and so forth, they don't need any more input from you regarding what they can't do right. They need to hear from you what they can do right. Help others identify their strengths. Now, if you have people in your life who are already doing that, great. You're headed in the right direction. But if not, examine yourself and evaluate yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas in your life where you're most gifted. Because that's the area where God is going to use you. Did you hear that? Find out the area that you're gifted in, whatever you can do well, and then turn it over to God. That's the area he wants to use you in. You know, whenever a new product is introduced to the marketplace, the guys in marketing identify the product's USP. USP, unique selling point. Everyone just say unique selling point. Unique selling point. Well, you didn't all catch it. Let's try that again. Unique selling point. A few examples that I can remember. I'm old enough to remember. Some of you will too. Folgers Coffee is mountain grown. And because it's mountain grown, therefore, it's the richest kind of coffee. And then there was Ajax Cleanser. It foamed when you used it. Therefore, you knew it was doing something good. How many of you have ever heard of Avis, the car rental agency? Well, they were second. So what? Well, that means that they're going to try harder. And then there's Domino's unique selling point was that what they used to say was, we can guarantee that we will get your pizza to you in 30 minutes or less. They no longer have that selling point. (laughs) It worked well for them in the early years. It just doesn't anymore. But every product that does well out on the marketplace has a unique selling point. And you know, let me make something absolutely clear. You are not a product, but you do have a unique feature about you that sets you apart from everyone else in the world so that God can use you in a way that is specifically designed for you. You are absolutely unique. You're a one-of-a-kind masterpiece, friends. I, I guess you could call it the Rudolph principle. Remember Rudolph? He had that bright, shiny nose, and he was indispensable On that foggy Christmas Eve. You see, you have qualities about you that make you absolutely unique. There are certain things that you can do better than other things in your life. And this is the area where God is most likely going to use you. And for this reason, you need to be able to identify those areas. In fact, turn to someone right now and say, you are unique. Just tell them that right now. Now, I hope you meant that in a good way. You are unique. Now, here's what's really hard, is to say, I am unique. Just try it right now. I am unique. You see, the hyraks, Augur said, are creatures of little power. In fact, can you put that up there? In case you're wondering what a high look at that wild animal right there. That's a hyrax. And they they have little power. 
And they make their homes in the crags, in the rocks. And, and an interesting thing about the hyrax is that their paws are prone to sweat. They have clammy paws. But you know, this also provides suction for them. So when the predator comes after them, they can just hop up those rocks and get into those crags, and they're safe. You see, the hyrax can't scale a wall like a lizard, and it can't swarm fields like a locust, but those clammy paws help them escape and get away from that leopard that's after them. And God has given every one of you, in some sense, clammy hands. He's gifted you in a way that's unique to you. And that's how he wants to use you. You see, if you want to live a life that's beyond those things that you think are limiting you, you need to learn to look beyond those limitations. Look to your strengths, to your gifts and your graces, to your own particular USP, if you please. And then you need to do everything to make the most of it. In fact, that's what Paul said to a son in the faith, of faith Timothy, in his second letter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. That term fan into flame, that simply means to nurture the gifts that God has given you. Develop the gifts that God has put in your life, and then you'll be able to use them for your full potential. That is exactly what Nick Fujicic did. He recognized at a very early age that in spite of what he didn't have, in spite of what he couldn't do, he did have strengths in the area of leadership and communication. And that's the direction that his life took. If you don't have a quick answer to the question, what is your greatest strength or what is your USP, then I want to challenge you this week to think about it. To pray about it. To talk to your friends and let them give you a little input. Make it a point to identify something that you do well. In fact, let me, let me ask you right now. How many of you can think of at least one thing in your life that you can do well? Maybe not perfectly, but you can do it pretty well. Whatever it is. Anyone here? Every one of us. Well, how many of you can think of something that you can do better than something else that you can't do as well? I mean, we can all, you know, we can start somewhere. We don't have to start up here. But there's something in your life that you can do fairly well. Fan it into flame. And this brings us to the third step of this process. Decide to go where your gifts can take you. Decide to go where your gifts will take you. You see, in order to play to your strengths... Get as much as you can out of what you have. Get the most out of what you can do with what you have. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says to the believers there, listen to this. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you're already living that way. Now we ask you and we urge you in the Lord to do this more and more. Hey, you're doing a good job already, but you know, I think you can even do better. William Barclay translates this phrase, I want you to intensify your efforts. And a few verses later, in verse 10, Paul goes on to say, And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. And again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Just an aside here. How many of you believe that church ought to be one place that you come 
where you're accepted, you're built up, you're never torn down. How many of you would say, I would like to go to that kind of a church? Do you know how hard it would be to have a church like that? You just have to build each other up. You have to say nice things about each other. I've been around a whole long time. I've been around a lot of different churches. And I've heard some really mean things said by Christians. I'm not doubting their faith. I'm not doubting that they know Jesus Christ. But you know, I want to challenge you as a congregation. I want to see if you can do it. Do you think that you could go a whole week and say nothing negative about anyone in the church? How many of you could do that? Raise your hand. Well, see, that's why we can't. I said, how many of you think you can do it? I, wish, I should see every hand out there. Raise your hands. You can do it for a whole week. You're not going to say anything negative. And the other thing is, you're going to say things that will build each other up. In fact, turn to someone right now and uh, think of something nice to say about them. It may be hard, but just do it. Turn to someone right now. Say something nice about them. Some of you are so thrilled you can't shut up. You know, probably in a group like this, this is the first time some husband said something really nice about his wife in a month. I'm not going to ask for testimonies here. You know, Paul is simply saying, play to your strengths. Do what you can do well, and then do it as well as you can. Don't spend your time trying to be something that you're not. You see, if you're an ant, don't try to be a badger. If you're a locust, don't try to be a lizard. Play to your strength. Do you know who really needs to hear this and obey this? Church. Churches do. You know, too many churches try to design their services and build their ministry around what's trending now. And they're trying to duplicate in a micro way what some well-known churches are doing in a mega way. And they're doing this rather than focusing on who they really are and what their unique strengths are and what they can do best to serve the people in their community. You know, this church right here is not called to be the Baptist church over there. You're not called to be First Church over here. You know who you're called to be? Mission Church of the Nazarene right here. That's who you are. That's what you're called to be. But you're called to be the best mission church that's here. You see, you don't need to try to be like someone else. You just need to do what God wants you to do. And when you get down that down, he'll give you something else to do. That's the way it is. And, and that's the mistake we don't want to make right here. Let's not build our work in ministry and trying to imitate others, my friends. Let's focus on what we do well and then do it as well as we can. And this needs to be the focus of every church, every ministry, 
every business and every believer. Play to our strengths and go where God wants us to go with our gifts. So I want to ask you this morning, what are your strengths? What are your skills? Once you figure them out, plug them in. Plug your skill set into the kingdom of God into ministering in the church someplace, and he will use you beyond your wildest dreams. Bottom line, friends, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how inexperienced you may be or how behind the times you are or how broke you are or how not talented you are or how unlike really successful people you are. You've got strengths that God can use And that he will use when you engage yourself in serving him. So decide now that the strategy for the rest of your life is going to be play to your strengths. And go where your God-given gifts take you. You know, Jesus made this statement. Whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he does have, will be taken from them. Now, That sounds unfair at at first glance. But Jesus was saying, hey, this is how life works. This is what the big world is all about. And it comes down to what is the focus of your life? Will you focus your life all about your limitations? I can't do this because I don't have that. I'm limited at every turn, and so there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to sit here like this. Or will the focus about your life be about your possibilities? Oh, yeah, I do have some limitations. But every limitation that I have has an asterisk written by it. And because no limitation can hold me back, God has given me gifts that that will enable me to glorify Him. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life playing to my strengths so that He can use me in ways that I can't even imagine now. I want you to realize something. You, have, you will never have to answer for what you don't have or what you haven't received, but you will have to answer for what you have. Let me say that again. You will never have to answer for what you do not have or what you don't receive, but you will have to answer for what you do have. And you see, this is the paradox of our limitations and our so-called handicaps that people like Nick Fujicic have overcome. Oh, on the one hand, they're real. They have to deal with them. You can't just blow them away. You can't pretend that they don't exist. But on the other hand, friends, there's also in a sense in which they're imaginary because, and I, I want to read this statement, and I want you to listen to it carefully. The only limit that you can put on your life are the limits you choose to accept. The only limit that you can put on your life are the limits that you accept. I don't know about you, but I'm just not going to accept that. I'm going to put an asterisk on it, and I'm going to let God work in my life. You know, as we close today, this has not been a salvation message, and yet, as a pastor... I'm reminded that my most important job is to point people to Jesus Christ. And so I want to make sure that as you're sitting under my ministry as long as I'm here, that you're not going to get out of the service 
without having a chance to just make that commitment, recommitment, rededication, wherever you may be. So I want you to bow your heads right now. Holy Spirit, come and just fill this place with your presence. And Lord, there may be someone here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. And there may be a whole lot who have, but maybe there are some in that crowd who have just kind of gone the other way and just aren't where they ought to be. And we want to take this time to give them an opportunity. And you know, all you have to do, friend, is just say you're sorry for what you've done wrong. It's that simple. Just say, Lord, I messed up. I've blown it. And then ask for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness, he says he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of any sin. Big, small, doesn't matter to God. He can handle it. And then he'll fill you with his presence, but also the power to do what he wants you to do and what you want to do. So right now, in your own words, I want to encourage you to recommit to him. But also there's a a neat ministry that this church is involved in that specifically this service has been involved in. Maybe you haven't been over to the uh, fellowship hall service, but if you walked in here today, you've seen that there's uh, communion elements right up here. There's a, a wall of hope right over there. And let me kind of explain these real quickly. You may have a prayer request, and uh, you can go over there and fill it out and just pin it to the wall. It's not that that's going to do anything, but it's just a tool to turn it over to God. And you may say, you know, I would like to just take communion today. We want you to feel free to do that. You can come up and get the elements, and a couple of our pastors, Jeff and Pastor Paul, are going to be here to serve you communion. You can go back to your seat. You can kneel at the altar. Maybe at the end of the service you think, oh man, I'd just like to go kneel and pray. You know, every week anymore I drive down here a lot, so a couple times a week I have to go to the gas station and refuel so I can make it. I see the altar as God's gas station for his people. A place to just come, kneel, and say, Lord, I, I want to get refueled for this coming week. So we'd like you to feel free to come to the altar. We even have candles over there. And I don't know what your background is, but it really doesn't matter. It's just a tool to help you remember a prayer request. We want you to feel free if you want to do that. Use a candle or not. Just don't point your finger at someone else who is. And we have a prayer team, a group who will be over here. And if you would like to have someone pray with you, just walk over and say, will you pray with me? And we're just going to worship the Lord through music right now. And we're going to stand and you can come and kneel. You can take communion. Just respond to what God wants to do in your life. That's the bottom line. Just be open to him. Holy Spirit, come and just do your work in our lives. And help none of us to leave without knowing that you are right there with us. And help none of us to leave carrying more than we should. We pray that you would just do your work right now in your name. Amen.